0: Welcome back. We have been inundated with calls and emails and texts from people thanking us for the series that we're doing. I wasn't expecting that, um, and uh, I'm going to tell you about a couple. And Julie, welcome to today's podcast. Oh, hold on, I got to bring you on. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh, I always forget to do that. There she is. There I am. So, um, <laughs> and I, yep. I know Julie just finished a, uh, call, a call, a group call with what our uh, actually all of our Harris coaches, and they are. Ruminating about what they're seeing happen in their uh, own personal real estate markets, but in addition to that, their their own coaching clients' markets. And essentially, what everyone is experiencing is a slowdown or an adjustment or the signs of an adjustment. And um, I don't want you to ignore those signs, and I want you to pay very, very, very close attention to what Julie and I have been telling you on the series of podcasts we've been doing on the changing market. If you want to go, this is part three. If you want to go back and listen to the first two parts please do so. You can listen on iTunes, you can listen on Stitcher, um, you can listen pretty much on any, you know, it's, the show is syndicated on a billion different podcasting formats and you can do, or you can just uh, go over to our main website which is timandjulieharris.com and listen right off that main website. But here's the bottom line, take what we're saying seriously please. So I had two very interesting calls, I'm going to share both of them with you. I'm going to try to do this as succinctly as I can and then we're going to pick up where we left off yesterday. I received a, um, a basically a text for help is what I call it, and if you guys want want to text me as well. And this person wanted to talk about two things. He wanted to talk about joining EXP Realty, uh, which he's going to do, and he wanted to talk to me about uh, his team. Now, let me tell you about the team question. He has six, he did 62 million in volume last year. Um, his uh, something like that, 62, 66. I don't remember. It was a lot. And uh, in his market, they still get mostly 6%. He's not doing a lot of be- uh, lead buying. He does have, I think it was four or five buyer's agents. Anyway, the normal team sort of situation, and uh, you know, this admin, this person doing this, the social media manager, the whole sort of thing. And then I ask them these questions, and everyone listening, please listen to the questions I ask them because it really does cut through all the bullshit. So, how many units did you do? I asked him. He said I did. We did 140. And I said, how many of those were listings? And he said half, 70. I'm sure it wasn't exactly 70, but listeners, don't be overly analytical. Just listen to the point here. And then well, uh, what I asked him it was, on the listing side, who does the work? He goes, I do the work. I said, he said, I'll have an assistant help me prepare the pre-listing kit, things like that, the administrative stuff. For the, for the most part, I deal directly with the sellers, and the staff or the team deals with the buyers and all the rest of it. And that's usually how it works. So I said, okay, good. So how much how many um, how much was the total dollar value and commission of the listings that you sold last year? And he had most of this on a spreadsheet, so he told me that they earned about a million dollars. When I say the it was they, it was really him, about a million dollars from just the listing side of the I might be getting my numbers off by like fifty grand, but who cares? Just follow me with the point from just the listing side. And remember, that's the business that he created himself. He was doing prospecting. He was doing, the, you know, for the most part, the pre-qualifying. He was going in the listing appointments. He was the one calling for price reductions, those types of things. So he was the one doing the listing side of the business. The buyer side of the business was delegated. All right, so I asked him this question. Now, listen, this was the important question. I asked him, how much money did you pay yourself last year? Okay, I told you guys what his volume was approximately and I asked him how much he paid himself and he said about $700,000. And I, well, that's a good margin, right? I mean, that's basically about 40% he was making from the from the uh, revenue that his team was earning. Then I asked him this. I said $700,000, but if I can do math in my head correctly, based on your average commission and based on the units that you sold, you should have paid yourself approximately $950,000. So that means that you had to subsidize your own business just to keep your business running by something like $250,000. And he goes, what? I said, so let's think about this from a different perspective. I said, you earned personally, let's say nine hundred and fifty or a million dollars uh, uh, from your listing business. Okay. That means that you, after maybe normal business expenses, should have kept, let's just say conservatively, with not dealing at all with buyer sides, just say having two or three people. Look. You can run a 70-unit-per-year uh, listing business with one and maybe a half assistance. That's it. And what's that, what's that staff going to cost you? With overhead and Mickey Mouse and let's say you throw some parties, you're going to spend 100 grand. So I pointed that out to him. I said, realistically, you should have made, let's say, right around $900,000, $875,000 last year just on the listing side. But you made like roughly $200,000 less. What happened to that $200,000? Do you follow me here, listeners? Julie, am I explaining this well? Just say yes, yes or no to no, sake of brevity?
1: Yes. You got it. Okay.
0: All right. So then I asked him, what happened to that extra $200,000, basically? He didn't have an answer. and I, So I answered it for him. I said, what's happening is you're actually spending $200,000 a year to support the other side of the business, which, based on your math, is making you no profit. Literally, guys, I want you to hear what I said. So they were doing 70 sides on the buyer side of the business and he had staff to support the buyer side. He was spending all this money to support the buyer side. He was doing all that dumb crap that some of you think is super sexy and important. He was doing the videos. He was doing the social media. He had a social media manager. He was doing the Instagramming. He was doing the branding. He had three different websites. He was doing all the, you know, all that stuff. He was doing all of it. And, As a result of that, he was actually spending what should have been his profit from his business just to support the unprofitable side of the business. So here's what I told him. I said, first of all, you have to realize that for the most part, teams are massively unprofitable. And here's how you make this unprofitable. All you've got to do is start delegating going on listing appointments, and the next thing you know, you're making an average profit of probably about 10%. So if you end up basically doing what a lot of you guys think is the you know, natural trans- uh, transition of, or you know the natural progression of your real estate business and delegate everything, you're going to have virtually no profit left over. So this is the point. We are having this conversation with him. And I then started asking him questions like, how many rental properties do you own? The answer was none. How much money do you have saved? He had a little bit of money saved. So the moral of the story of what I'm trying to share with you is he literally was spending $200,000 a year supporting... Sort of like, you know, buyer agent, what would you call it, Julie, charity, just sort of, you know, this, this <laughs> right. program to try to basically say, I sell 60 some million a year and we did 140 units. I'm the number one in my market. I'm one of the top 10 in my business. Da, 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 da. He was spending 200, okay? So what did I suggest that he did? And this is what I suggest all of you consider doing. And I had similar conversations, one this morning and a couple others. Um, and here's what I would suggest to all of you. You realize the team model is not designed to produce profit, period, full stop, in a conversation. That's it. Nobody talks about profits in teams because nobody's making any. And if this recession happens like it's obviously going to sometime next year, it's going to cause a lot of these teams that have very little profit margins to be completely wiped out. So here's what I told Let's Call Our Friend Bob. I said, Bob, here's what you should do. And if I were personally coaching you here, so what I would basically coerce you into doing – get rid of all your buyer agent staff immediately, get rid of all the staff that's there to to support the buyer agent staff immediately, and then start focusing just on listings and keep your best transaction coordinator and keep somebody that'll help you run around and, you know, take care of it's only 70 units a year guys that's not that big of a deal think about it. it's like six units per month and that's not a lot of work so the transaction coordinator can also basically be servicing the seller but because he works in a semi-rural area i told him that he probably wants to have somebody install signs and do all the miscellaneous mickey mouse so he doesn't just have to drive around all day which obviously was a smart move so have a staff and a half, is what I call it, and then basically get rid of all the buyer sides. He doesn't want to work with any buyers, not even the ones he likes. That's fine because he's a killer listing agent. He can kick ass on listings. So that was the move. That was the suggestion. What does he do with the buyer sides? I told him what he should do is he should find – probably maybe 15 really great buyer's agents in his marketplace existing agents doesn't matter what company they're with <gasps> boo hiss that's right doesn't matter what company they're with and start referring the buyer leads that his team is generating or his listings generate rather to those agents for 35% and here's the two things that will happen a i already showed you guys that he's losing money on the buyer side that he's doing now he's actually having to subsidize the buyer side of his business by about 200 grand per year that is a fact, Jack, what I just told you. And this is happening all over the country, and agents have rationalized it as being normal because of their egos and because they think that all these you know, false prophets out there are going to tell them the right thing to do. But the reality of it is the biggest one who's perpetuating this, one of our primary competitors, never sold real estate before and is being subsidized himself personally by some of the people that are trying to sell you this useless crap Literally, he takes money from them, and of course he's going to tell you to start doing things that are in the best interest of the people that are paying him. You know this intuitively. Here's the first test you should be asking before you consider hiring any coach or listening to anyone. Have you sold real estate before? And if the answer is no, stop listening to them. They don't know what the hell they're talking about. Isn't that obvious? Shouldn't that be the duh? I mean, if you have a problem to solve, don't you want to go to somebody who's an actual expert having done it themselves? So just ask that question before you decide to take expert, not just from someone in our industry, but maybe a doctor, maybe a dentist. Do you have a problem? You want to go to the doctor that solved the problem before. Oh, I got an idea. He's not even a doctor. He's somebody who's acting like a doctor. Anyway, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. Some of you um, don't like it when I coach bash, but some of these coaches deserve to be bashed. If you've never sold real estate before, shut the hell up. You're not a real estate coach. Back to point. So here's what I told him to do. Take all of his buyer side transactions and refer those buyer leads off to other agents in his marketplace and collect 35%. Then I showed him how he would make more money. He would make more money two ways. One, he could keep all of his profit from the listing side. He could stop subsidizing the buyer agent side. And two, his uh, buyer agents are largely – what would the word be? And all buyer agents basically are this way. They will earn a certain amount of money, and soon as they have money pending for about a month and a half, depending on your marketplace, maybe ten or fifteen grand, sometimes less, then they really don't do that great of a job with lead follow up. Then you have to put all these accounting and tracking and scoring systems in place, and your CRM costs you a thousand dollars a month, and then you have to hire staff, then to basically monitor da 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 da. See how it's a black hole, massively <laughs> wasted money and time. You know what's
1: ironic? And- you know what's ironic about that? Why do buyer agents stop producing? Because they don't have the same expenses as you do. (laughs) They don't have to. They get to keep it all. It's kind of a roundabout smack in the face when you realize that. Just saying.
0: Yeah, totally. You know, the real question is is why the team model is being perpetuated. And I think if you want to vamp on that, Julie, we can in a second. But let me just finish this sequence up. So the moral of the story is if this guy starts referring his buyer leads out for 35%, he will make more money because then he can stop subsidizing the really ineffective buyer agents that he now has on his quote-unquote team. But also, the other agents are going to be more efficient with the leads he's giving them because of the fact that they're going to put more value on it. His agents basically are like, ah, maybe I'll call that one back. Maybe I won't. He'll give me another one. You know, He'll give me one after that, too. I'm going to take two weeks off. I'm just not going to tell him. I'm not going to tell my my team leader, Bob, I'm just going to disappear for a while and tell him I'm super busy with out-of-town buyers. He's not going to know. That's why you guys are making no profit on the buyer side of the businesses. And this same bullshit model has been around since the late 80s and really into the 90s. This, there's nothing new about any of this crap, guys. It's all basically—it's not designed to make profit. It's designed to turn transactions. Now, why does that model get perpetuated in the halls of real estate? Why are people even talking about this as being something you should do? I'm going to be nice first, and then I'm going to be how I really think second. If that's okay with you, Julie, what do you think?
1: Absolutely. Okay, here's on.
0: the nice part. Maybe they—maybe they don't know that what they're telling agents to do is uh, not resolving in profit. Maybe they just don't know. Okay, I'll, I'll buy it. Maybe they don't know. Maybe they don't have our knowledge base. Maybe they don't have any experience. Maybe they haven't been around long enough. But, okay, ignorance. We'll take it. I'll believe it. Some cases, I think there's a lot of people that are you know perpetuating, doing all this social networking and all this other crap. And maybe they don't know any better because they don't have enough experience. They, they've never run a profitable business before. Bah, okay. Now, I don't think that's the case. I think the real reason why that you guys are being so heavily manipulated into doing dumb shit is because – You guys are uh, essentially allowing your – you're not strong enough, frankly, with your own belief structure about why you got in the real estate business in the first place. Your egos are getting essentially manipulated into doing dumb stuff, and you're not using the ultimate filter of will this make profit for me? You are then – does this feel good? Does this make me look good? Why does he have this team? Why do people have teams? Why don't they want to talk about profit? Because they want to look a certain way, they have decided in their not consciously necessarily that they want to be seen a certain way, as a top producer, as successful, they want to be walking around with the sense that people are talking about them and admiring them, and all that rest of it ego stuff they have they are literally spending what would it be a profit for adulation from strangers fact that's why they're doing it. Okay. Now, why are brokers and why are – the tech companies are obviously uh, wanting uh, agents to do uh, dumb shit like this because most of the tech companies are based on bot buyer leads and then managing the bot buyer leads. Have you noticed that? Most of them are basically only going to survive as long as agents are building teams and trying to feed buyer agents, even if it's at their own financial peril. That's how most of these – Zillow – their premier agent program sells buyer leads for 35% to agents. If agents said, I'm going to start generating listings and from those listings, I'll generate my own buyer leads. Zillow would be out of business. But if you've only been in the business for, say, less than eight or maybe 12 years you know, after the big recession, and if everyone you know has got that same lack of experience, if, if your office manager, your broker, your supposed trainers are all telling you to buy buyer leads, this is the way it's done, then you're not going to have the knowledge base to know that it might be a way to generate transactions, but it's not a way to generate profit. Think about that, guys. Your average commission in the United States right now is about, what, 5%, somewhere in there. If you're buying your buyer leads for 35% and and say 5% and say 2.5% goes to the buyer side. Think about this. Follow me here, guys. 2.5% goes to the buyer side. It's easier to do it at at, at 3%. I can do the math easier, okay? So if your co-op commission, if your buyer side commission is uh, 3% and you pay a 35% referral fee and then you're spending – of what's left, you're spending, let's say, on average, 70%, right, rather, you're spending 30% on your broker. There goes another point, right? You following me here, guys? And then what's left is 1% from that, that then you have to then, uh, basically, if you're on a team, you have to share with the team leader. And so what, this bob was doing i'm making up his name what he was doing is on some of the leads that he was buying he was paying a 35 percent referral fee his commission was on the boat on the buyer side three percent and then he was splitting the money 50 50 but what he didn't realize was all the money that he is, was spending on support staff to support the buyer agent transactions which was absolutely insane and totally unprofitable i know this is fire hosing you guys but look, here's the real bottom line if you really want to cut through your sort of a mental emotional thing. Why did you get into the business in the first place? Was it to have a team? Was it to have people kiss your butt? Was it so people so you get awards and plaques? Was that is that why? Really? That's why you got in the business? To have a whole bunch of if you want some plaques, go on Google and Google awards and plaques and buy your own. They're like five bucks each. Buy like a freaking room full of them. Have five cases delivered to your house and get that out of the way and just focus on profit. Really, buy your own damn plaques. Think of whatever. You're the icon, double, huge, super, mega agent plaque. Boom. There it is. Put it in your office. Feel good. Wash that out of your system and focus on profit. (laughs) Guys, come on now. If you don't believe me now, if you really don't get what I'm saying to be true now, wait till the market changes. That's what's motivating Julie and I to do this series of podcasts for three or four days because we know what happens to all of you who don't listen to this message now while there's still time to make corrective measures. What we told Bob was what I'm telling you. Don't do dumb shit with basic teams. Don't buy leads. Don't start doing all this stuff that people are thinking that they have to do in the real estate businesses. Every single of the most – if you want to really make huge profit in your business – you have to follow a very specific formula. You have to actually learn how to proactively regenerate yourself. You cannot think that there's any kind of you know, honor or any kind of like your goal is not to build a big team. Your goal is not to build a big real estate practice. Your real estate team and your real estate business is never going to be bought. No one's ever going to buy it. The only product you have in your real estate business is profit. And many of you aren't making profit and you don't know it. You know, some of you know what I'm saying is true. Some of you are struggling to build your teams and you're failing. Failed once, failed twice. You're starting to not believe in yourself as a result of that. But what I'm here to tell you is the business model itself is not worth building if your goal is to make profit, if your goal is to do transactions so everyone thinks you're the greatest thing, since sliced bread, go for it. So why does the industry perpetuate it? The tech companies obviously have a dog in the fight. Inman news, who are largely subsidized by the tech companies at the Inman news conferences, has a dog in the fight you know i 'm not going to say that Inman News is totally slammed that way because i don 't believe that they are truthfully. I think they actually for the most part do a very honorable job. okay so why do brokers perpetuate that faulty business model? I already told you maybe they don 't know though i don 't think that 's true. The real reason is is because if I get a young and impressionable Tim and Julie Harris to believe that the natural transition in their business, the natural progression is to add staff, add more staff, get to the seventh level. Then that puts you, you know, you agent in a position of having to go out and recruit agents. They're not saying, okay, now Julie, here's what we're going to do. You're doing really good, but I really want to have a conversation with you about how you can make more profit in your real estate business. (laughs) I mean, I laugh. That'll be the challenge. Can you imagine – can you imagine so a, a conference where agents show up and, and they want okay, this conference is about making profit. We're not going to talk about all this other crap because, look, here's okay, – oh, shit, Tim. I'm doing my social networking, but I'm not getting any leads. What's the only answer? Do more. Create more videos. Oh, I've started a postcard campaign, but I'm not getting any business from it. What do they tell you? Do more. Oh, my buyer agents aren't converting enough leads. Oh, spend more money on getting them trained. You guys see what I'm talking about? It's insanity. Stop the insanity while you still have time. So all of you who have been reaching out to me, thank you for allowing me the honor of hopefully helping you. And for the rest of you who are listening, which is frankly tens of thousands of you, please learn from the mistakes of others. You don't have to make the mistakes your own. If you're thinking you have to make your own mistakes, that's just your ego. Why would you waste the time? Okay. A smart man learns from his mistakes. A brilliant man or woman learns from the mistakes of others. So look at the mistakes that others are making, and ask yourself why you got in this business in the first place. You got in this business in the first place to make profit. So if you want to talk with me about making profit, guys, text me 512-758-0206. seven five eight zero two zero six. I've enjoyed most of the conversations I've been having. <laughs> All right. So Julie, <laughs> so Julie, let's let's actually let's knock yeah. out another phase. We have time.
1: Okay, I'm trying to figure out if we finished phase two and you'd like to start to phase three.
0: Let's Let see. Let me look at
1: phase two. Are we got a, uh, I think we got a few points. No, left. you know what? We just
0: uh, now let's skip it.
1: We can skip it. Let me look. Okay.
0: Through. No, yeah, let's skip. Let's go right to phase three. All right. So basically, to summarize, guys, listen to the past two days of podcasts. You know, yeah. um, we've already Julie, we've already talked about all these other points um, in in some of the rants we've done. So let's just go right to phase three, and I'll get. Yep. I'll read the title. Phase three. Sure. Phase three is called the bust. Go ahead, Julie.
1: (laughs) As inventory builds, sellers start having to lower their prices. This begins a vicious cycle. Buyers go on strike, not wanting to catch a falling knife, causing sellers to drop prices further. Now, even though I think for the most part, we're in the little bit of phase two, I've seen some of this on coaching calls already. Buyers checking out saying, I'm going to wait. I have seen some of that creeping in to certain markets, especially the higher end. So some specific points in phase three, the bus, point A, the return of real appraisal issues, not just off by a few hundred bucks uh, or a few thousand, but significant appraisal issues. Be very careful about that. B, banks tighten lending standards again to stave off future foreclosure issues. So let me hover on this just for a second. Sometimes you guys wonder why it is you've got a, a buyer client or somebody has one on your listing, another agent has a buyer client, who on paper seems to really comply, like 20% down, decent ratios, has had a job for a while, um, you know, decent credit. Banks have this thing called bank overlays. They can add risk management criteria on top of what they want as standards. So you might think you've got a, you know, a standard A paper slam dunk deal, but because their ratios are a little bit off or maybe they own one too many rental properties or they're just a little bit too much self-employed, they have to do a lot more underwriting. And when you start seeing that, that's definitely definitely an indication of a changing phase three type market. So related to that is point C, home equity lines of credit can get capped or taken away. So many of you guys listening have never even heard of this. This is a bizarre thing. This absolutely happened the last time around. I'm not sure if that will uh, be put into place, but Yes, banks can absolutely do that. Maybe you thought you had a $200,000 line of credit on your house based on the equity and you get a letter in the mail saying, nope, now it's 100. Why is that? Because the bank is no longer confident that your house's appreciation is skyrocketing. They probably sent a BPO agent by and said, nope, it's actually worth this, not that, less he lack money for you. Okay, so you can see how we're getting a little more dramatic in phase three. All right, now, also in phase three, point D, People in the real estate industry start having a tougher time getting a loan on anything, let alone to buy a house. You may feel this personally with the tightened lending um, practices, especially if the news gets a hold of a changing housing market, a slowdown, you know, all that kind of stuff. All right. Also seeing point E in certain uh, places of the country, especially higher end point E upper end would be sellers Decide to lease their properties instead, or they may say something like, "If it doesn't sell in 90 days, I'm going to keep it as a rental." Or in you know more more um, you know vacationy markets, maybe they turn it into a VRBO and they wait it out and they try again in the spring or they try again in two years. So they you know no listing for you. All right, point F. Many homeowners' equity has been wiped out. You see how phase three is worse than phase two. History has shown that these people will strategically default, living in their homes for free for as long as possible. This is something that is, I think, a little bit of a wild card that goes this direction, how many and how quickly people will just hit the default button. That could happen. That's a lot of discussion uh, amongst a next go-around recession. Why? Because now people know that they can. That was different than last time. Anything you want to add to that, Tim? I feel like I'm getting a little overly dramatic, but these are all facts.
0: Well, I mean, the thing is, is the sellers are the last ones that are going to want to hear the truth. And one of the places where most agents struggle is telling the, I'm not going to say telling the truth is, you know, I think they will want to tell the truth. They just won't know how to tell the truth. They won't have the scripts. They won't have the, frankly, guys, you're going to start dealing with some emotional shit shows from some of these sellers, especially the ones that um, bought in the last three years in some of your markets. What, and Julian's going to talk a second, what, what happens in phase three, If prices start to adjust down, and look, in the upper end, they absolutely are. Listen to what, please listen to what we're telling you in, um, you know, Greenwich, Connecticut, and other markets. There are sellers that are losing a million dollars, more than a million dollars on their houses. The markets there have been in correction for two, three years. In New York, the same thing's happening you know, Julie and I were channel surfing the other day and we saw our old friend Frederick and they're having a conversation about uh, this seller who is going to lose like $2 million on this property that they bought to live in, not even to speculate on. You know, these are the types of things that happen in the very upper ends, but then they creep down into normal price ranges. So what gets really interesting, and I mean interesting with air quotes, is when a normal price range sellers start to have to have you start to have to have conversations with sellers about why their house is worth less than they paid, or why it's worth you know less than they paid if they figure in the money they put into fixing it up. So you're going to see a lot of things like that happen. And what happens is the agents that don't have the skill set to have those conversations, they're going to be out. They're not going to – a lot of – look, the fact is these are tough conversations, but they are scripted. If you do it right, there's ways to go about approaching situations like that so you can actually be successful helping people solve their problems when it comes to selling their houses. Julie?
1: Yes, that's right. So uh, this is something we talked about with our certified coaches this morning, that – the instinct for, especially new or newer licensed, and it really that, that reaches back even eight to 10 years. Uh, the instinct is to say, I need a marketing piece to get this thing sold. You're not even admitting that it's probably overpriced at that stage. When you realize it's overpriced, you still are looking for the magic marketing. When the question you should be asking is, teach me price reduction scripts, teach me how to be a better, more accurate pricer in the first place. So be aware of that. Okay, so related is point G, the return to the short sale conversation. Now, I had probably four different instances uh, on yesterday's call alone with Premier Coaching, short sales for different reasons, right? You don't have to be distressed to be in a short sale. These were, I think, three out of four of them were this, this scenario, okay? Sellers bought at the peak of the market, didn't have a very big down payment, uh, you know, so they didn't go into it with very much equity, market shifted got a little bit of competition and they are one price reduction away from being short so here's the thing a lot of the the agents that didn't didn't go through the land of short sale they instantly think that's going to be a short sale here's a little known fact motivated sellers who are a little bit short 5 10 15 maybe twenty, twenty-five thousand dollars short depending on the price range when they're motivated and they have to sell it is possible that they are just going to write a check at closing not miss any house payments, not be a short sale, not become a foreclosure. So watch your wigging out about that. I really have to, to stress that to them because agents go right to, oh, my God, I can't, if I do one more price reduction, it's going to be a short sale. And I always ask them how short. I mean, we were shocked. Even when it wasn't a recession, we would have that scenario sometimes. And they'd be short, you know, ten grand. And I was always shocked when we told them that. Many times the sellers were like, yeah, I thought it would be about that bad. Tell me who to write the check to. They weren't short sales. It it's kind of well, sucked for so them.
0: Let's, but it's still closed. Let's let's drill down on that a little bit. So the Premier Coaching Program, guys, which premier. a lot of you are members. I'll leave it with you. No problem. No problem. The Premier Coaching Program, which you, a lot of you guys are members of, does have a section specifically about short sales. Does have a section because you know, we were coach, coaching billions of agents back in the short sale days, where there's still content on premier coaching. If a lot of you guys need to seriously consider premier coaching immediately, oh. Um, so here's what you got to do if you want to learn more about it. First of all, you can just text me, and I'll connect you. It's 512-758-0206. But the other thing to do is just if you want to you know, take a little bit slower steps into learning about Premier Coaching, just text the word Harris, H-A-R-R-I-S, to 31996. Text the word Harris, H-A-R-R-I-S, to 31996. And when you do, you're going to be literally – we're going to text you right back. There's going to be a link that you click on, it's going to give you uh, six free books – The book I want you to download, the first, is The Real Estate Treasure Map, and then when you do, you're also going to get a call from um, our our staff, and they're going to call you and offer you a free coaching call with one of our new member coaches. You don't have to do it, obviously. I want to give you the books regardless, but just go ahead and text toward Harris, H-A-R-R-I-S to 31996, and do seriously consider accepting our offer to have a free coaching call with one of our new member coaches. Guys, there's still time. There's no doubt there's time. Do not probably listen to anyone that's telling you that we're not going into a recession. We are. And at the end of the series, which I think Julia and I are going to be done with um, you know, tomorrow or the next day, probably a Monday actually – we're going to then tell you exactly what measures you need to be doing to prep your real estate business. If you haven't figured it out, the first thing we're going to tell you to do, you know, I'm foreshadowing here, but we're going to give you more specifics, is going to be to really take a hard look at your expenses. And a lot of you, again, it's hard to understand whether whether or not you should continue or stop a certain expense. Well, there's a very simple way of knowing whether you should or shouldn't. It's what trackable profit from that specific thing that you're spending money on can do you actually have, and we're going to tell you how to track it. The next thing I'm going to have all of you do is take a serious look at the amount of money you're spending at your brokerage, and if you're a broker yourself, you already know what I'm talking about. You're probably not making any profit in a great market. What do you think is going to happen when the market slows, and your agents who are not equipped yet to deal with the changing market, brokers who have been perpetuating these team models, when these teams start to go bust, when these agents are trying to decide whether or not they should continue to buy leads, and that's the only way they know how to generate leads, what do you think they're going to do, bro? they're going to come to you and they're going to you know basically say I can't pay my bill or I you know I have all kind can I borrow money I mean the whole you know craziness that's been happening over really the past 10 years is going to come to a screeching halt incredibly fast guys this whole mickey mouse you know craziness with teams and all this started in the late 80s. I told you this before. It then got, really started getting ramped up in the 90s when Julie and I got in the real estate business. And it crashed when the tech bubble bu- uh, bust. All these teams went out of business. All this stuff's very predictable. And it crashed during the other recessions. All these people go through all this hardship. And then it's like, soon as it's over, as soon as the you know market starts to return, nobody tells you guys what then happens when the market changes. Nobody, have you noticed that? Is anybody else in the marketplace right now saying what Julie and I are saying? Anybody? Find one person. Nobody is. Why? They either don't know, that's me being nice, or they know, but you not continuing to perpetuate that business model would be at their detriment. In other words, you'll stop buying whatever it is that they have for sale, right? They're CRMs and they're buying leads and the—you know all this other crap. That's, those are the only two explanations I have as to why people who should know better or do know better aren't telling you the truth. Their own self-interest is the bottom line. So you've got to do what's in your own self-interest, and you've got to get your finances right, and you've got to get ready for a recession. And look, it might be really bad. It might be really not so bad. It might affect your market a lot. It might affect – I don't know. But I do know that you're going to be a hell of a lot better off if you're prepared for the best You know, or you know, eat, hope for the best and be prepared for the worst. That's it. In a market like this, in a changing market like this, that is the only smart thing to do. It is. So, look, guys, if you want to talk to me specifically, I want you to go ahead and text me, 512-758-0206. A lot of you are asking questions about eXp Realty. Again, 512 758 0206. We're huge proponents and supporters of EXP Realty. I think it's the, if you're a broker, if you're an agent, if you're a team, if you're not seriously considering EXP Realty, it's something we need to talk about. 512 758 0206. Just send me a text. Hey guys, you have a fantastic day. We're going to do our best to finish up the series of podcasts. Oh, and thanks to all of you who are praying for us and who have been sending us so many nice things. Um, about your you're fearing for us for the hurricane. The hurricane passed us by, so thankfully we did not experience a hurricane here in lovely Puerto Rico. You guys have a fantastic day. We'll talk with you on the show tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com.
1: Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c sweetradiocom